G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. This is the second part of Luke chapter 4, and the first part of Luke chapter 5. The subject is the authority of Jesus. This passage has been carefully structured by Luke around the idea of authority. It starts off with two episodes in which Jesus shows his authority by first driving out an evil spirit and then healing many people. It ends with two episodes in which Jesus heals a man of leprosy, a symbol of evil, and heals a paralyzed man. In between these two pairs of episodes, Jesus shows his authority by proving that he, a carpenter, can catch more fish than the fisherman can. This middle story is the most important because it shows the authority Jesus had most clearly. First we read chapter 4, verses 31 to 44, the first two episodes. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, and the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because... That is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Question 1. Twice in these episodes, when the man with an evil demon calls him the Holy One of God, and when the demons call him the Son of God, Jesus was more accurately identified by demonic powers than by ordinary people. Why was that? What are our modern-day equivalents?
That is a hard question to answer. Perhaps the other worldly powers were more sensitive to the power of Jesus than ordinary people were. And that leads us to the question, are we as sensitive to the things of the Lord as we should be? Question two. Why does Luke bother to tell us that Simon's mother-in-law went straight back to the housework? Luke tells us how complete and natural the healing was. Simon's mother-in-law was able to go back into the kitchen and work. In the ordinary way, she would have needed time to recover from the fever. The healing by Jesus was very special. In the same way, when he heals us of our problems, physical, mental or spiritual, he often, but perhaps not always, heals us instantly. The story in the first 11 verses of chapter 5 is clearly the most important part of this passage. Fishing with nets in the Sea of Galilee was done when the fish rose to feed on the surface at night. There could only possibly have been a shoal near the surface in the daylight if a new fresh water spring had opened up in the seabed which could happen as this is an area of volcanic activity. Jesus knew something nobody else did. We read these verses now, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Pull out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed him. Question three. What might Simon and John have said to each other when they thought Jesus could not hear when he, a carpenter, told them to go fishing in broad daylight? Who does he think he is? Telling us where and when to fish indeed. What does he know about it? 
He's only a carpenter. Thinking because he's a prophet he knows where to fish. What rubbish. And so on. A boat of those days has been dug up. It was eight metres long and two metres wide. So it would have needed a crew of rowers and would have held a lot of fish before it began to sink. So this was a very big catch, meaning enough money for many weeks for the families concerned. Question four. What did Peter do which he must have done so that nobody else was able to share their good fortune? Listen again to verse seven. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Signalling, instead of shouting, would have stopped other fishermen realising what had happened and joining in the big catch. Question 5. What does this episode teach us about the relationship between money and spiritual commitment? Practical rewards do sometimes follow devotion of time and energy to spiritual matters, as they did in this case, but they do not always do so. We must be prepared to sacrifice things for the sake of the kingdom. Question 6. Peter wanted to distance himself from Jesus when he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Because he thought the unclean contaminated the clean, and he was unclean. How did Jesus view this? What is the implication for us? Peter was following the teaching of the Old Testament. The book of Leviticus, chapter 10 and verse 10 says, Distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. These teachings were mainly about ceremonial cleanliness. Jesus ignored such things. He taught that the things that matter are loving God and our neighbour. Ceremony is not important in the kingdom of God. Question 7. Peter recognised the authority of Jesus over him as a result of the events on the lake. How do we know Jesus has authority over us? The disciples had seen a great miracle, but so do we when the Almighty God calls us to follow Him and we respond. He then forgives our sins, promises us final salvation at the end of the ages, and gives us His Holy Spirit to guide us until then. If we do not recognize His authority, we are poor judges of what is good and great and what is of great advantage for us. Now for the last two episodes. While Jesus was in one of the towns, 
a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way to do this, Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Leprosy in the Bible may not have been what we call leprosy these days, but any of many skin diseases. Question 8. Jesus said, I am willing, and touched the man. What does that tell us about Jesus? Jesus entered fully into human life. He related easily to the outcast, leper man, and touched him. That made him, Jesus, unclean under Jewish law, but Jesus ignored that. He was interested in the realities of life, not the details of religious practice. Question 9. The paralyzed man's sins were forgiven, not because of his faith, but of their faith. Do you think one person's faith can work to heal someone else today?
If faith cannot work like that, there is not much point in praying for anyone else, which we all do. It is lovely the way Jesus says, I am willing to heal someone, and calls the guy on the stretcher friend, even though his friends have just made a mess of the roof of what was probably his, Jesus's, house. And that is the end of study six. Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.